Living out your faith in this fallen world is a journey. If you sometimes feel lost on that journey, you'll be glad to know that God has provided a roadmap. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at that roadmap, known as the fruit of the Spirit, the nine qualities for the life God desires for you. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, A Life Beyond Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we're continuing our discussion of the fruit of the Spirit, which uh, we have called A Life Beyond Amazing. When that is living itself out in your life under the power of the Holy Spirit, you have an amazing life. It's hard to describe, but you know what I'm talking about if that's ever happened to you, if you've ever totally given yourself to the control of the Spirit of God and let Him produce those virtues in your life, virtues you are not capable of fully producing yourself. You know what I'm talking about. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh, most of you know we are uh, going on a cruise at the end of uh, this calendar year. That's right. We go to the Caribbean. We kind of do that almost every year. While we haven't had the opportunity to do it some of the past months, we're back in business. We have quite a few folks already signed up to go with us. We'll be visiting some beautiful islands in the Caribbean, and we'll actually be spending New Year's Eve together and entering into the new year, and we'll be ready to meet the challenges of the year before us. So whatever you do, at least consider going with us to the Caribbean. You can find out all about it at davidjeremiah.org. And then during this month, you know we are offering the book, Why the Nativity? The newest edition of this book uh, uh, looks in close detail at the people and events that surround the Christmas story and why each of them was chosen for their particular purpose. This year, we celebrate this special season by revisiting the story of the first Christmas, and we would encourage you to join in worshiping with us as you ask for this book, Why the Nativity? And it's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. It comes um, packaged with beautiful photography, and the cover features two major photos from the new film to be released in just a few weeks, Why the Nativity? Well, let's get started. It's time for part two of A Life Beyond Amazing. Here's what I know, men and women, after all these years of studying this, and I want to be very clear about this. The New Testament calls upon Christians to take action. It does not tell us that the work of sanctification is going to be done for us. We are in the good fight of faith, and we have to do the fighting. But thank God we're unable to do it. For the moment we believe and are justified by faith, we're born again by the Spirit of God, we get the ability. The New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that. Now, having been reminded of it, let's go do it. Here's one that you all will love. This is Bono the lead singer of U2. You never hear me quote him before, have you? (laughs) Here's what he said. He said, your nature's a hard thing to change. Takes time. I have heard of people who've had life-changing, miraculous turnarounds, people set free from addiction after a single prayer, relationships saved where both parties let go and let God. But it wasn't like that for me. For all that I was lost, I am found. It is probably more accurate to say I was really lost, and I'm a little less so at the moment. (laughs) And then a little less, and a little less again. 
That, to me, is the spiritual life, the slow reworking and rebooting of the computer at regular intervals, reading the small print in the service manual. It's slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken years, though, and it's not over yet. Was he saying that salvation is a gradual thing, not as far as accepting Christ? But he was saying that when I accepted Christ, it wasn't over. I didn't get that spiritual situation where when I woke up the next day, all of my lust was gone and all of my greed was gone and all of my selfishness was gone. It was still there. And it was over a period of time after receiving Jesus Christ that I wasn't as lost as I was before I was lost. You get that? Those are some of the things we need to kind of keep, and we'll talk about this some more as we go along. Now, let me hurry quickly to the roadmap of a life beyond amazing. And I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the second chapter of Philippians. I love the book of Philippians. Do you like Philippians? Yes, what a great book this is. It seems like it speaks to so many things. But I want to read to you these verses, and having explained to you what I've explained to you, you'll sort of get this now in the way that I hoped you would get it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen carefully. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And you're going to say, wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me you don't have to work for your salvation? Yes, I did, because that's what the Bible says, and I'm not contradicting it. You're just not reading carefully. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. Some of you are so opposed to work out, you won't even read that. (laughs) Work out your salvation. What does it mean? When the text says work out your own salvation, it doesn't mean work for your salvation. The phrase work out has the meaning of working something through to its full completion. This particular expression was used to describe those who worked in the mines in Paul's day. They were mining out of the ground that which had been placed there by their creator. Working out our salvation has the meaning of working out what God has already worked in. Notice, in that same text it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you. So we're to work out what God has worked in. God is giving us these things that we need. That doesn't mean we just sit and hold them. What is really responsible for your Christian walk, your Christian growth? Is it just sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to zap you? How many have had been zapped? No. And we wonder, why isn't this working? Well, we're looking for the wrong thing. Each generation of believers carries on its own debate over this question. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible holds the tension between man's role and God's role in perfect balance. Here's another great illustration from the New Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what it says. His divine power has given to us believers all the things that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which had been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, I'll pack that in a real simple way. Here's what Peter wrote. He said, when you became a Christian, you got everything you need for life and godliness. How many of you believe that? 
The Bible says it. We have to believe it. He said, God gave us. What did he do? He put it in us. Like he puts ore in the earth, he puts these things in us. Not only that, the scripture says he gives us precious promises. What is that? That's the Bible, the guidebook. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness, and then on top of that, he gives us these precious promises to help us. And we should say, well, thank you, Lord. But that isn't the end of the story. The people who want to tell you that your Christian walk should be a passive rest life waiting for God to do it all haven't read the rest of the chapter. Because in verse 5, it says, also for this very reason, what reason? Because you got all this stuff. Because you got all this, add to your faith virtue and give all diligence in the process. The word give all diligence in the Greek language means to make every single effort. The phrase could be translated, make every effort. What Peter was saying to his readers is this exactly, what Paul had written to the Philippians. You have been given great resources. Now go out and realize the full potential of all that you are and all that you have in Jesus. You say, how would that work out if I did that? Can I take you back to Philippians for just a moment? Here in Philippians, remember, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both the will and the do of his good purpose. What would that look like? Well, let me just tell you what it would look like. Verse 14 comes next. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That's a good place to start. How many of you could use a little help there? You probably complained because you couldn't find your parking place this week. So you all need some work. That's what I'm telling you. The reason why we need to work out what God has worked in is because it's not all working. Amen? Amen? And it goes on to say that when we do this, we'll become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. The Bible says that the reason we're not making more of an impact on the world why we're not shining as light is because we haven't taken seriously the opportunity we have to take the things that God has given us and max them out for his glory and for our good. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to sit on our blessings. He doesn't want us just to come to church and count our blessings, name them one by one. And it seems like today in the Christian world, there's just a movement away from all kind of personal discipline or individual responsibility in the Christian walk. Jerry Bridges, who writes for the Navigators, put it this way. He said, we Christians... We're very disciplined and industrious in our business, our studies, our home, or even in our ministry, but we tend to be lazy when it comes to exercising our own spiritual lives. We would rather pray, Lord, make me godly, and expect him to pour some godliness into our soul in some mysterious way. God does, in fact, work in mysterious ways, but he expects us to train ourselves for godliness' sake. Jay Adams put it this way, you may have sought and tried to obtain instant godliness. There is no such thing. We want somebody to give us three easy steps to godliness and we'll take them next Friday and we'll be godly. The trouble is godliness doesn't come that way. When Paul wrote to young Timothy over in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he said, reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. And I've always loved this passage because I love physical exercise. And here the word for exercise is the word in the Greek language, gymnasio, from the word we get gymnasium. 
Paul said to Timothy, go to the gymnasium, exercise yourself for godliness. Does that sound like it's all just coming to you without any effort on your part? Doesn't sound like that to me. In fact, here's an interesting thought. The last characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline. Here's what Aristotle said. He's not an evangelical, by the way. (laughs) He said, just as we become builders by building and liar players by playing the liar, so we become just by doing just acts, temperate by doing temperate acts, brave by doing brave acts, Virtue, that is to say, it is not an emotion but a quality of character, and it is gained by practice. When I was a student at Dallas Seminary, Tom Landry was the coach of the Cowboys. That tells you how long ago that was. I've told you before, I was addicted back then. Used to skip my Tuesday class to go to the Cowboy luncheon downtown. He used to say this, and he said it in a number of books, and I've heard him say it personally, that the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. In much the same way, Christians are called to make themselves do something they would not naturally do, like pursue discipline, in order to become what they always wanted to be. That is like Jesus Christ. Discipline yourself for godliness' sake. That's what it says. The roadblocks and the roadmap. What is the roadmap? Take the things that God has given you and use them. Teach yourself how to do these things. You're not going to just, I don't know how to say this. I'm not in any way being disrespectful of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're going to have a whole lesson on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how he helps us do this. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do the things that you were called to do. He helps you do them. He helps you build these disciplines. But if you're sitting back waiting, you're going to miss what God has for you. That's not the way it works. That's not what the Bible teaches We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. And in these things that we do to develop these graces in our lives, there's effort to be made on our part. Now let's go back to the picture that we had at the beginning of the message about the river. Remember all these people standing over here who just got saved and all these people over here who just got to heaven and now you're standing over here trying to figure out what do I do? What is the bridge across that river? And I'm convinced that the bridge that we're missing is the bridge of character where we as believers have a job to do on ourselves to become like Christ to study the Word of God and the characteristics of the Word of God and ask God to give us the help we need and completely give ourselves to the Holy Spirit and develop in ourselves. Some of you here today, you're really loving people. That won't be an issue for you. You can do this. People talk about you all the time. She's the most loving person I've ever been around. No matter what happens, she just loves everybody. But some of you aren't so patient. And maybe that's where you're going to have to do a little homework. Ask God to help you learn what it means to be patient. So, What are we supposed to do between conversion and heaven? The bridge in question goes by many names, but one of the most obvious names is character. The transforming, shaping, marking of a life and its habits. In the last analysis, what matters after you believe isn't rules or spontaneous self-discovery. It's becoming more like the one who saved you in the first place. And we know about that. And we know we can't do it in our own strength, but we know it does take some of our strength. We're not just going to sit and wait for God to make us the people that he's called us to be. The Bible won't allow that. If you don't know that, there's hundreds of other scriptures I could bring to you that call us to put on the new life, to take off the old life, 
to walk in holiness. These are commands. These are not suggestions. So what is character? What will we look like if we develop this character in our life? People of strong character are usually people that are very disciplined. They have fortitude, integrity, ethical strength. These are attributes that will distinguish you from one another. These are the things that make you shine as a light in the darkness. You're a different kind of person. Character is an attitude that every young person, every middle-aged person, and every old person should have embedded in their minds. Character is returning extra change at the grocery store. Character is keeping appointments and being on time. Character is honoring your commitments and honoring your word. Character is choosing the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Character is setting priorities that honor God and family and country. Character in marriage is working through the tough times rather than throwing in the towel and looking for divorce. Character is being committed to the well-being of your family and friends, associates and others, even if it's personally costly, and character is setting a good example. A married person of character acts married all the time. A person of character is self-disciplined and self-controlled. Character implies the courage to stand for what is right if necessary, all alone to oppose what is wrong and to make the effort to discern the difference. Character is being truthful in all things while being sensitive to the fact that sometimes truth hurts and needs not be spoken. Character is being selfless rather than selfish. Remember, character is the only thing that goes in the casket with you to the hereafter. And believe it or not, it's the only thing that people will remember about you when you're gone. And it should be something we desperately want to develop in our lives. Here's where I'm at, folks. I can tell you, we used to talk about this years ago. We used to talk about character. We used to even teach it to our children in school. Do you remember that? We had courses in character. Not now. We got characters in our school, but we don't have any character in our school. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, does it? Because nobody's been doing it recently? Would you say that one of the great needs we have in our culture is more people of character? Don't you want to be a person of character? I know I sure do. I want to learn everything I can about what it means to be a man of God and have character. Because whether you like it or not, at some point, people whose opinion matters will be paying a lot of attention to you and to me. They'll be watching what we do and how we react. We might not even know it, but they'll be looking at you for an example because they need an example to follow. They'll be looking for a leader. Maybe the children will be looking for parents to do the right thing. And each time you enter a room, each time you go to a practice or a meeting, every time you involve yourself in the life of another human being, you have the opportunity to leave a positive legacy behind because you're a person of character. I read about this choir director who took on the running of a church choir which hadn't had much help for years. And they had struggled valiantly to sing the hymns to give the congregation a bit of a lead and on special occasions even to try a simple anthem. But frankly, the results weren't very impressive. However long they practiced, they didn't seem to get any better and they were probably just reinforcing their existing bad habits. So when the new choir director arrived and took them on, gently finding out what they could and couldn't do, it was in a sense an act of grace. He didn't tell them they were rubbish or shout at them to sing in tune. That wouldn't have done any good at all. It would have been simply depressing. He accepted them as they were, began to work with them. 
But the point of doing so was not so that they could carry on as before. Only now was someone waving his arms in front of them. The point of his taking them on as they were was so that they could really learn to sing. And now remarkably they can. Same people, whole new sound. That is a picture of how God's grace works in our lives. God loves us as we are, as he finds us, which is more or less kind of messy, muddy, and singing out of tune. And the wonder at the heart of genuine Christian living is that God has come to meet us right where we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. God's love comes to you and to me where we are in Jesus Christ, and all we have to do is accept it. But when we accept it, when we welcome the new choir director into our ragged and out-of-tune singing, we find a new desire to read the music better, to understand what it's all about, to sense the harmonies, and bit by bit to start singing in tune. Ladies and gentlemen, what I've been talking about is called sanctification. And sanctification is best defined in this word. Sanctification is becoming in practice what you already are in position. Everything God calls us to be, we already are in his mind, but he calls us now to become every day what we already are in heaven. Out of our desire to become better musicians, we begin to practice, we begin to learn the habits of how to sing. There is the sequence, grace, which meets us where we are, but it is not content to let us remain where we are followed by direction and guidance to enable us to acquire the right habits, replace the wrong ones, all of a sudden, we're singing almost in tune again. We got in the choir a long time ago. Maybe you got in the choir when you were a kid. You've been in the choir for a long time and you just sensed that something's out of tune. Here's a chance to get tuned up. <laughs> Take the scriptures and allow them to be the motivation so that you can start singing in harmony. You know, the greatest illustration of what I've been talking to you about today is this. Almighty God has loved us before the foundation of the world. And that would be enough, would it not? He loves us. But God didn't leave it at that. He loved us, and he sent us his own son to prove it. God took action to demonstrate his love to you and to me. And if you've never received that love because you've never understood how much he loves you, I'd like to ask you to do that today. God loves you so much that he didn't even keep his own son in heaven with him. He sent his only begotten son to this earth. Let him become like us and go to the cross and pay a penalty for our sin, which we could never have paid so that we can have a standing before the Father. If you've never trusted Christ, ask yourself, why not? Well, you know, the thing that we're featuring during these days is the message that he came. He came for you. He came down. We couldn't go up, so he came down to get us and take us to be with him if we put our trust in him. So let me echo what I said just a moment ago. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, do it now. Ask him to come and live within your heart and be your savior, and he will do it. He's never turned anyone away, and you won't be the first one. So, no matter where you are or what you've done or how far you may feel you are away from God, He's calling to you today as you listen to this program. Find a quiet place and pray and just say, Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and that I 
have failed you and I'm sorry for my sin. I want you to forgive me for all the things that I've done that are wrong, that are sinful. And I want Jesus Christ to come and live within my heart and in my life. And I will seek to serve you from this day forward. When you pray that prayer, Christ comes to live within your heart and you will never be the same. You will never be the same. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about one of the first characteristics of the amazing life, and that's a life of love. Part one tomorrow here on Turning Point on the Thursday edition. Let me remind you again, you can get a copy of the book, Why the Nativity? Featuring the story of Christmas in question and answer format, and also featuring some of the beautiful photography from the movie that we've been working on for three years, Why the Nativity? Cheers for the asking. When you send a gift of any size to Turning Point, do it now, and uh, we'll be happy to make this available to you. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If God is ministering to you through Turning Point, will you let us know? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Fill your Christmas with meaning and joy with your copies of David's book and new docudrama DVD, Why the Nativity. Each is available for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Available in your choice of cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, A Life Beyond Amazing, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. I once read that a person who makes a mistake and neglects to correct it makes another mistake. That corresponds to the truth that the wrong road never turns into the right road. 
When we discover we're on the wrong road, we have to go back to the fork in the road and get on the right road. In other words, we have to correct our mistakes. Turning around and going in the opposite direction is what the Bible means by repentance. It's the only way to correct our bad choices. If you have made a mistake, make every effort today to correct it. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's remedy for mistakes on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.